Now, stand back up, and let's read our mission statement together. As we've done the last three weeks, I'll begin, and you just join in with me, guys. If we have the mission statement, we can post it so that everybody can read along. We are a family, passionately pursuing our freedom in Christ, sharing His love, and helping people fulfill their purpose. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Today's message is titled Divine Connection. Today, we're talking about our purpose, your purpose. Why are you here? What is God calling you to do? Who did God call you to be? Before we begin, imparting into you what you need to fulfill your purpose, I want to talk to you for just a moment about purpose. In 2002, Rick Warren, the pastor of Saddleback Church, wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. Now, having grown up in the ministry, I don't ever really remember your purpose being something that was preached about often in the church until he released this book. And if you remember the story, a young lady was being attacked. She was being robbed. And she started reading this book to her attacker. It changed his life. He turned himself in. And the book went to the world because every major news outlet was covering this story and the Holy Spirit rescued this young lady because her attacker figured out that God had called him to more than a life of crime. I don't ever remember purpose being that big of a topic in church until that happened. It seems like after the millennium, we became addicted to purpose, addicted to it. And I think many times we became so addicted to our purpose we started comparing our purpose to someone else's purpose. And then we felt inferior because maybe we weren't living up to what God had called us to be or to do. So before I start this morning, the Holy Spirit woke me up, and I want to define purpose for you. You know the famous verse, Jer Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, saith the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future, to give you a purpose. We all understand that God has a purpose for us. But I want to describe to you what a purpose is. Because if you don't know what it is biblically, you'll never, never be able to fulfill it. So we have a slide for you that will help you. The first thing you must know is that God knows the end from the beginning. Your book has already been written. Your story has been completed. God knew you in your mother's womb. He knows how you were to finish. He knows what you were supposed to do. He put something special on the inside of you to fulfill it. And you have a purpose. It's already been written. And as a Christian, you ought to celebrate the fact that God's got you and he's got this. Number two, your purpose is guaranteed by God, but the fulfillment of it is entirely up to you. The fulfillment of it is entirely up to you. One of the major disputes in the Southern Baptist denomination right now is on Calvinism. And I don't have time to go through the entire five points of Calvinism, but one of the most debatable topics is that of predestination. And they take the words of Paul in Romans 8, 
Verse 30 where it says, those he predestined he called and those who called he justified and those he justified he also glorified. And this has to do with the generational connections between your purpose. The word predestined in the Greek means to set forth the path. So God has set forth the path for every person in this room. But you have to make a decision. That's where I differ from the five-point Calvinist. You have to make a decision to get in on God's best, to be a part of God's plan, and to fulfill your purpose. And as part of our mission statement, our job and our goal as a church is to help you fulfill your purpose. That's a tall order because sometimes we might have to hurt you in order to bless you. Sometimes we may have to teach you in order to advance you. Sometimes we might have to cover you and carry you for a season until you can carry yourself. And we have to be hearing clearly from the Holy Spirit to know how to help you fulfill your purpose. Not my purpose, not the famous actor's purpose, but your purpose. God has a specific purpose for you. Number three, God's purpose is connected generationally. Divine connection leads to direction. Elijah, Elisha, Paul, Timothy, Ruth, Naomi. I can go on and on and on. Divine connection leads to direction. When you look at the Old Testament and the transition into the new covenant of Jesus Christ, you see patriarchs, prophets, and promises fulfilled. Sons become tribes. Tribes become nations. And a Savior is born that fulfills every prophecy, every word from the patriarchs, and is our Prince of Peace on the inside of us. So, if God's purpose is connected generationally, what does that mean to you? It means don't feel insignificant. I think of my grandmother who was poor and worked at J.C. Penney's her whole life. My grandfather had a fourth grade education and served this country. And I, I, I can't imagine them feeling like their lives meant nothing because my grandmother made it her mission to raise good kids. And my grandfather made it his mission to serve his country and provide for his kids. Now, they may not have experienced what a Hollywood movie actor experiences or even what a mega church pastor experiences, but they were faithful in God's purpose. And now all of their children are blessed, were, were educated, graduated college, has done things on a large scale because our purpose is connected generationally. It's not really about you and it's not really about me it's about what we do and what we leave behind to the generations that come after us it doesn't matter how good your journey is if you don't leave anything to your children you've missed it it's about connecting the generations to one purpose in Jesus Christ and in our text today Jesus has been raised from the dead he appears to Mary Magdalene he appears on Emmaus Road. He's making his rounds, and he ends up in a room with the disciples, and he speaks purpose into them, but more than what he speaks is what he releases into them. He breathes on them and gives them the Holy Ghost. Now, I like to preach, but today 
is not really about my preaching as much as it's about what you are willing to receive from the Holy Ghost and what you are willing to do with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God will help you fulfill your purpose. It's my job to invoke it. It's your job to receive it. You have to receive from the Holy Ghost your divine purpose. And here's what our text says. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst. You know, I've done my job on Sunday mornings if Jesus comes and sits in our midst. It's not how great the message is. I hope it's great. I believe it is. I study. I work hard at what I do. I'm called to do it, gifted at it. Not being arrogant, just know what I'm supposed to do. But it's really not about that. If the Holy Ghost doesn't show up and touch you and shake this place, I fail. I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. A carbon copy won't do. Strategy won't always do. You need power from on high. You need to be in his presence. And when he stood in the midst, he said to them, peace be with you. You'll know if you're in the right atmosphere if there's peace. Shalom on your life. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad. Everybody say glad. When they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the Father has sent me. I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. So Jesus shows up a week after the resurrection. People are living in fear. The disciples are together like he commanded them to be, but they're in fear. They are isolated. And there he shows up. A king brought a kingdom. A man God and God man brought a message. And it wasn't any longer about what he could prove to them. It was about what he was calling them to do. If you've been saved more than a day, it's no longer about what you like. It's about what he's called you to. It's no longer about what you feel. It's about what you're willing to die to. When Jesus shows up, it's never just to make you feel good. His presence will always lead to persistence. It will lead to a divine connection that you will walk out, and that is called purpose. Purpose. What is your purpose? It doesn't have to be grandiose. It doesn't have to involve millions or worldwide fame. Hollywood doesn't have to make a movie about you for your life to be significant. If you are a son or daughter of the Most High God, you are already significant. You don't need worldwide fame. Because the last time I checked, those things don't get you crowns in heaven. What gets you crowns in heaven is faithfulness, soul winning, righteousness, being willing to die for this gospel. 
It's not what makes you feel good. I mean, we all have ambition, but is it godly ambition? Is it godly ambition? God has given us a purpose. He's given us a purpose. Then the disciples were glad, it said. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Because he understood where he was going and what they would need to fulfill their purpose. So to really boil this whole thing down to just the bare bones, in order for us to help you fulfill your purpose, we've got to introduce you to the Holy Ghost. We've got to invoke his presence. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to touch your life. But the responsibility is also on you. You've got to make a decision to see God in whatever room you're in. If you're isolated, find God in the midst of your isolation. If you're depressed, find God in the midst of your depression. If you're defeated, find God in the midst of your defeat. If you're glad, find God in the midst of your gladness. You've got to be willing to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in a box that you get to wrap. It comes when you least expect it. It comes in ways that have not even been acknowledged yet. The Holy Spirit does what it wishes. The wind blows where it wishes. And you don't hear the sound of it. But when the Holy Ghost comes, you have to be willing to submit to that presence in your life. So when thinking of his purpose, we're going to follow the pattern of Jesus in this moment. Number one, if we're to help people fulfill their purpose, we must connect people first to his presence. In his presence, there is fullness of what? Of joy. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. If you ain't happy, you're in the wrong place. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. I can't stand a bunch of sourpuss complaining Christians. I don't like being around people like that. God loves them, but I need my spirit infused with joy. And sometimes negative people negatively affect my spirit. And if they affect your spirit, you need to get around some people that are glad when Jesus shows up in the, their midst. I mean, the disciples had been through quite a bit here, and it says when Jesus showed up, they were glad. Sometimes I've seen Jesus show up and people not be glad about it. It interrupted their day. It messed up their lunch routine. I'm telling you, we need to be glad when he shows up. We must connect people to his presence. That's why I challenge you to invite people to church. I want people to be in his presence. I think we do presence good here. I think we've got a unique presence here. It's Holy Ghost and grace and love and family. And we're not trying to beat last week and do a bunch of trumped up stuff in the flesh. There is a presence here. You know how I know that? Because when people come in here for the first time, they report to me on it. Many times, people who aren't church people, they feel something here. I don't gauge the Holy Ghost moving by church people. 
because we take God's presence for granted. When someone who's addicted and who's broken, who's never been in church, who's hurting and lost, they come in here and they feel something. Then I start listening. We must connect people with his presence. People need to be in his presence. What was on display in this moment? Well, the wounds of Jesus, the worship of Jesus, the will of God, all was present in his presence. It says they were glad. He showed them his wounds. The Holy Spirit was present. That's what we need if we're going to talk about his presence. We must connect people with his presence. I love uh, Exodus chapter 33 after the people of Israel sinned. You know, the golden calf, and they didn't wait on Moses, and they didn't wait on God, and they decided they were going to do worship their own way because they were tired of waiting on God. They were tired of waiting on the man of God, and they decided to just do something trumped up that felt good, that looks good, that was worldly, that fit in the, the culture. And I love what Moses says when he intercedes on their behalf. He has a conversation with God, and he said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know, God, that you look favorably on me and on your people if you don't go with us? For your presence among us, everybody say your presence, sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. The Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you have asked for, for I look favorably on you and I know you by name. You can do a lot. In the kingdom, but not without his presence. You need his presence. As a church, we need his presence. People need the presence of the Lord. There is no high like the most high. We have tried everything under the sun, as Solomon would say, to ease our pain, to heal our minds, to make us feel appreciated and affirmed. We should try his presence. His presence. Where there is forgiveness, there is fullness of joy, there is acceptance, there is purpose. You'll be okay with who you are and what God's called you to do in his presence. The comparison game will end. And you will trust God's plan for your life. We must connect people to his presence. Number two, we must connect people to God's pattern. Acts chapter 20. We see kind of a repeat of what Jesus had done for his disciples here. After Paul, he spent two years in Ephesus. Eutychus has just been raised from the dead. God's been moving in signs and wonders. A great church is on the rise. His season was over. Paul's season was over. And God was calling him to a new purpose. In his farewell address to the elders, with riots breaking out, the people were behind him. All this kind of stuff was going on. He reminds them of the good times, the great revival that had taken place. He reminds them of the pattern of God, and he prophesied into them their own purpose. He took their eyes off him and shifted their focus to God. We sometimes as Christians become addicted to man, man's ways, man made things, personality of man. And that's why sometimes God shifts us 
and divorces us from certain personalities because God wants us to be totally 100% dependent on him. And this is what he says in his final farewell address to them. He says, remember how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. What is God's pattern? It's the gospel. It's multiplication. It's discipleship. You know, the grace of God has to be enough. I tweeted just the other day, if the grace of God is not miraculous enough, then you are a heretic. That's how heresy starts. When the grace of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ is not enough for you and you've got to chase movements and weird stuff, then you are a heretic. Because at some point, this gospel that thousands upon thousands of people died for has to be enough. Has to be enough. God's pattern, Paul's reminding them. God's looking for a church that's willing to multiply. Who are you pouring into in this community? Oh, Pastor Ronnie, Abba's house has enough. I mean, you're in the top 2% of churches in your denomination as far as numbers. Your church is growing, maybe not as fast as you want it to. Abba's house is big enough, has enough. Why do we need to do this? Friend, it's not for us, it's for you. It's so that you'll be walking out your purpose. So you'll be creating disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, difference makers, so you can be a part of someone else fulfilling their purpose. I believe there is a new generation in need of purpose that needs to understand God's pattern. God's pattern. Friend, the commission of God and the mission of the church will never change. It doesn't matter what the world says. The mission remains the same. Psalm 16, verse 8, I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. God's pattern will never change. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Who is following the person you're following? Got quiet in here. I didn't mean for it to. But who is following you as you follow Jesus? Someone ought to be following you as you follow Jesus. They ought to be learning from your mistakes, learning from you, and walking towards the fulfillment of their own purpose. Some people aren't called to stay under you their entire lives. At some point, like an eagle, they have to spread their wings. And fly. You cannot try, parent, to keep your kids under you your entire lives. How many of you know sometimes you got to let them go? Because there is a great big world out there. And God's called us to touch every end of it. There are still unreached people groups in this world. Who's going to reach them? What church is going to reach them? What person's going to lead the movement, put their life on the line to reach those people? Number three, we must connect them not only with his presence and his pattern of multiplication and discipleship, but God's power. 
to finish what uh, Paul would say here. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit. I love that bound in the Spirit. Have you ever been so under the control of the Holy Spirit, you just felt chained to him? Like you couldn't let go, kind of like last week when we talked about Jacob. Lord, I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I mean, have you ever felt bound by the Holy Spirit where even when you try to mess it up or you try to blow it, God won't let you blow it? Even when you try to go in the wrong direction, you're so bound up by the Spirit that you can't break loose from a holy God? Some of you have walked in such intimacy that your flesh wants to self-destruct, but the Spirit won't let you because you're going somewhere bound in the Spirit. The Spirit's already made a way for you out of no way. There's already things being set in place and set in motion for you. All you have to do, friend, is make a decision to get in on the purpose God already prepared for you in your mother's womb. Just get in on what God's doing. Just get in on it. I go bound in the Spirit, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except this, that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that change and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy. My race. My race is not your race, and your race is not my race. We have to get away from the comparison game. Some of you'd love to be Tyler Perry, but God didn't call you to be Tyler Perry. You can't act and you're not funny. But God called you to be you. And what's wrong with being a good mother and a good father, providing for your children and being faithful to church? Y'all may look at my grandmother as simple. The kids are saved. They're all married still. They love God. They're gifted differently. Her mission was to raise good kids and take them to church. Do you understand that your purpose is connected to theirs? When you're gone, they'll testify as to your faithfulness. At some point in the Christian life, it's got to stop being about us. God's got to give you the right perspective. And that comes by way of his power. His power. Let me say this. When you get to heaven, you can worship all you want. That's going to be our primary responsibility. Worship. Worship to our king, the one who saved our souls the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. You can worship all you want. You can sing. You can speak to God. Have fellowship with him. But planet earth is the only place you can share your faith and disciple people. So forgive me if I don't place such a high emphasis on things I get to do in eternity. And I talk too much about salvation, evangelism, discipleship, invoking his presence. Because there are things that you only have one shot at. Telling somebody about Jesus, this is your shot. Inviting people to be a part of God's presence and adopting God's pattern of evangelism and discipleship. 
Planet Earth's the only place you can do that. You can get down with all the rest of it there. But what are we doing here? Because isn't that what purpose is about? We're all called to reign with him, those of us that know him. But what are we supposed to do here? Tell somebody about Jesus. Just tell somebody about Jesus. How he saved your soul, how he set you free, how he broke chains off you, how he gave you a purpose, how he took you from a tile bathroom floor, depressed, miserable, suicidal. He gave you a purpose. I'm telling you, God can do it. And there's power in your testimony. God will use it. He doesn't need someone else's story. He needs your story. We must connect people with God's power. It takes power to die a martyr's death. It takes power to preach the gospel. It takes power to do ministry. It takes power to serve people. It takes power to serve your family. It takes power to serve your community. It takes power to live right. And that comes by way of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need God to breathe on you again. You need an impartation of power. You need power. You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost. So that when bad circumstances come your way, there's something in you that rises up. Power calls you to run towards the fight, not from the fight. Some of you need power. How many of you are tired of the devil kicking you in the teeth? How many of you are tired of going through the same old circumstances and same old sin cycles? You've been repeating the same things for 20 years. Pastor Ronnie, how do I fix it? Power. You need to be connected with God's power. That's what Jesus did there in the room of the disciples. He breathed on them. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, and they received power, just like at Pentecost, power. When Paul would leave a church that he had started, he would leave them with power. With power. Not so they would sit there and talk about the good old days when Paul raised people from the dead and all the things that used to happen. No, he left them with something. So they'd walk in the power. Same thing Jesus did. Tarry ye in Jerusalem. Let me tell you something. You have a power on the inside of you that just needs to be activated. And today we're going to activate it. I close right here. We must connect people to authentic passion. What should be your passion as a Christian? Number one, you should care. About 50 million people are on their way to hell in this world. Somebody's got to care. That ought to be your passion. Those who are addicted have been abused. Those who are being tortured as we speak for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Somebody ought to care. Those who are hungry today and don't have anything to eat. Somebody's got to care. Somebody's got to care. You need passion to care. You need passion to share. It says when the disciples saw Jesus, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Not just your neighborhood, not just your culture, not just your race, not just your sin struggle. All nations. All 
nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you, even until the end of the age. Even until the end of the age. So God's not going to leave you powerless. He's not going to leave you purposeless. God's going to be with you. You start walking towards your destiny, friend. You won't be walking alone. But you got to start. Why don't you take one step today towards it? And trust me, you won't be walking alone. God has purpose for you. You need to care, you need to share, and you need to dare. You need to dare greatly. Dare to be different. You want, you want purpose? Be different. Don't be like everybody else. Dare to connect with new people. Dare to receive the Holy Spirit. Dare to share your faith. Dare to be faithful when you're afraid of commitment. Dare to be honest and vulnerable about what you're going through. James says we're to confess our sins one to another. We don't tell each other anything because we don't trust one another. But we are a family. Passionately pursuing our freedom in Christ, loving others, and helping people supposed to fulfill, not find their purpose, but fulfill it. That's what we do. How do we do that? We need Jesus to show up in our midst and breathe on us. So I'm done. I want the intercessors to come down. Go ahead and stand on your feet, everybody, so they can get out. Come down and face the audience. All my intercessors, if you're trained and you can pray down the Holy Ghost. Sometime today, here we go. Come on down and face out for me. Intercessors. Here we go. Face the audience. Just come down front right here, guys. Don't be scared. Come on down. Here we go. Pastor Angie, come down here too. You come down here too. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I've asked them today to pray over the altars before you got here. To set the atmosphere right in this place. So that the Holy Spirit could breathe on you. So that's what today is about. Yes, we want you to connect with groups. I'm going to tell you how to do that. But before we do that, I want to connect you with the person of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Then we'll talk about how to connect you with groups. You'll receive a text message, and we encourage you to read it, connect with the group, and be here next week and try one. But before you can connect with God's people, you've got to connect with God's presence. And some of you need healing. You need a touch from the Holy Spirit. You need the prophetic released in your life. You need the fire of God on you. And as I was preparing this message, after all the creativity and the powerful things we've done this month, the Lord said, Ronnie, they just need the Holy Ghost. They just need the power from on high. It's not enough just to be religious, friend. I don't want you to get beat up. I want you to receive the fullness. I want you to receive power from Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, this church is yours. This ministry time is yours. Lord, there are people living in a dry place that are thirsty today. There are people who are sick who need healing. There are people who need your fire, your passion, your pattern, your presence. 
Lord, I ask you right now to move and to breathe on this church in power and glory. Lord, signs, wonders, miracles. We're, we're declaring it. We're believing for it. And we're thanking you in advance for it. Send the people, Lord, who need the passion and the fire to walk out their purpose today. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to come and allow us to minister to you and pray for you and anoint you to receive the Holy Ghost this morning. If that's you. You come. Don't miss your moment.